everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This Danish Podcast, the podcast where we hold people to account while DJ makes noises by driving or eating things. And we are joined by said DJ. I'm also joined by Mr. Cuthbert Trail. Bertie, how are you? Bonsoir, mon ami. Oui, oui. Not very well. Je parle le français. Oui. Good, good. Bertie, you're, last week you were talking about McDonald's because you just had a McDonald's or something. And we had quite a lot of comments saying that they, they liked you talking about McDonald's. I don't know if that was Ooh, sort of really? sex, wow. sexually or just... Yeah, of, yeah. Like, so I'm, really? I'd be interested to explore that further. Maybe I could open my own podcast where I just talk... McDonald's. <laughs> talk about my filthy McDonald's stories. Just my gluttonous, greedy stories about me and McDonald's. I feel, like you, I feel like your former colleague Guy Punter would feature on that quite a lot. Oh, absolutely. Me and Guy have many a McDonald's story we could share together. Actually, do you know what? I might actually contact him about that. I think he actually might would be willing to explore that a little bit more. Not for younger listeners, but yeah. Yeah, you know, it's an X-rated podcast. Um, check out our OnlyFans account. Um, <laughs> yeah, it brings a whole new definition to the term food porn. But uh, there we go. But no McDonald's this week. No McDonald's. Um, what did I have though? I, I feel like I had something else. I had a massive Subway, but that, that was in the week that I also had a massive McDonald's. Uh, you're, you're a very cultured man, aren't you, Bertie? Yeah, but then you got to understand where I'm from. Um, you're lucky to get. You're lucky to have a McDonald's, really. Like um, we've recently had one open up near where I live, and it's um, yeah, it's 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 a godsend, really. It's got a drive-through and everything. And it's literally two minutes from my house. Uh, so, yeah. Priorities. Yeah. Priorities, yeah. They're actually so friendly That's in there great. as well. Because I feel like I feel like they're, they're a new McDonald's. They're full of enthusiasm and energy. Just give it a few years until they've been worn down by the local public and they'll be fucking hating themselves and hating everyone around them. But at the moment, it's all good. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. DJ, I take it you haven't had McDonald's, but... You do have a barbecue. I've had McDonald's before. Yeah, I know. I mean, this week. Oh, no. But you've got a barbecue coming out very soon. Oh. Yeah, not not like a barbecue party. Just like barbecue for dinner. welcome. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that for me. I don't even know what we're eating. You don't know what you're eating. So it could just be a barbecue with nothing on it. Molten plastic. The severed paw of a cat. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. <laughs> uh, Me neither. I don't know what to add to that. Okay. Should we talk about the main shabadibiboop of this episode? <laughs> you're going to say that every single episode now. Yes. Are we Are we literally tied into must, <laughs> must say shabadibiboop? I if think can, I, th- I feel like you've got a complex about it but now because you said it wrong now and now you want to prove to everyone you want to say it right. Pretty much. If you can figure out a better way of saying shabobbidi-boop. boop <laughs> You can tell me. Mm. DJ, I've how do them... you feel about my use of the word shabobbidi boop Sorry, I'm really enjoying these rice crackers. What are you talking about? <laughs> shabobbidi-boop. <laughs> boop Okay, so today we're going to talk about what is going on in Palestine. 
Gaza in particular, because we mentioned it briefly, mentioned it last week, didn't we? TJ, you brought it up. And then in the week since, it has escalated times a million. And oh my God, how, where do we start? Israel is effectively bombing Gaza to smithereens, decimating Gaza. As of recording, 188 Palestinians have been confirmed dead. On the flip side, 10 Israelis have been confirmed dead. The thing that pisses me off is that when people, a lot of the media say like, make present it as if it's like, you know, like six of one, half a dozen of the other, bearing in mind that Israel has the fourth most powerful military in the world. Um, the media portrays it as if it's like some equal fight over land and like yeah. entirely to do with religion, which is just not true. Unfortunately, it's like a, kind of like a deliberate omittance of the context behind the conflict. And, you know, like, it's kind of like ha- having forcibly a third world country on one side and a first world country on just on the other side of the wall. And there's no, like, I feel like the media tends to, yeah, tends to ignore that and focuses entirely on the conflict. And I've seen a few th- few articles saying things like, you know, insinuating, yeah, both parties are responsible and, oh, you know, like violence isn't a, is never a solution and all this to both sides kind of to be deliberately non like kind of not taking a standpoint on it but i feel like that you know it's cowardly not to explore the context and the driving forces for this and why it's now at a stage where you know it's really happening all over and it's really bad even israelis themselves like in israel are pretty ignorant to the violence that's going on because they basically have the same because like you were saying about the media portraying as like you know as if both sides are like you know in the wrong or something there's like you get these liberals and this is why I don't see like a lot of like Israelis to me like I don't see them that much different than like American liberals like the liberal ideology is still the same it's like rainbow capitalism it's like oh you know why can't we like just all just get along like it's wrong on both sides the same way that like you know white westerners address violence towards you know minorities and other any like marginalized group they're really blind to it i know this guy told me once and now he had a deadpan sense of humor but i'm pretty sure he was dead ass about this he was i just think hummus could bring peace to Israelis and Palestinians, you know, that we can just resolve this with hummus. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Wait, let me just clarify. Hummus that's really, like, that's hummus? the kind of mentality that a lot of, like, that, that liberals have about... Wait, 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 he said hummus, right? Not Hamas. Hummus. Yeah, there's a big difference. Yeah, he said hummus. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant Hamas when you first said it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. Neither, neither would like, work. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I mean, if it, if it was it a lifetime supply of hummus? Do you feel in my in my view, hummus could solve anything? I would probably join the Conservative Party if I got a lifetime supply of hummus. <laughs> well, now they know you're. Yeah, they're going to get at your now. door. I'm yeah. sorry, guys. <laughs> That's it. I'm sorry. But I, I mean, feel- we all know that you. We all know that you're a you're a, you're a filthy turncoat for a maga hat. We all know that. <laughs> we've seen uh, your MAGA hat it's true it's true on you. I feel 
I feel like in the last sort of 24 hours, things have even just escalated even further in a sense that, and, and, and not in a good way for, for the way that Netanyahu and the Israeli government want to play this because yesterday they destroyed a building that housed uh, the Associated Press in Al Jazeera. Um, independent journalists, global journalists based in Gaza, which obviously has had the effect of of turning quite a few journalists against them and also sort of revealing, sort of illustrating the the human cost of it and also the fact that even though Israel says it's targeting militants, how sort of indiscriminate it really is. And actually Israel responded by saying that there was Hamas base inside the building and effectively... Associate Press have asked the Israeli government for proof of that, suggesting that there isn't any proof. And as of yet, Israel has pro- uh, provided no proof uh, at the time of recording. Uh, the other thing that's come out is apparently Hamas have offered numerous times uh, a ceasefire and Israel have rejected it. So again, the idea that it's six of one or half a dozen of the other, while Hamas is launching rockets, is un- that's undoubtable. Uh, that's, you know, the fact that Hamas has offered a ceasefire numerous times and Israel's completely rejected it seems to sort of strike against that. And, you t- and Bert, you're talking about sort of the third world element. This is the thing that people forget with Gaza. Gaza is 25 miles by five miles and it has millions of people in tiny area. And so there is no way. They're not getting vaccines either. Sorry. No, exactly. That's, that is a, that is another issue which is completely related. When... And Israel blockades any anything going in and out of Gaza, first and foremost. It's controlled everything, including vaccines. And Israel's basically doing nothing to vaccinate Palestinians. But then another thing, which, again, kind of related to, to what you were saying, DJ, is that a lot of things, a lot of politicians have been saying, and I've said Biden say this, that Israel has an absolute right to, to self-defence and to defend its borders and all that kind of stuff, which completely neglects two things. First of all, it neglects the fact that those are occupied borders, first and foremost, borders that legally aren't Israeli. And secondly, it it completely rejects or goes against the UN certified right of self-determination, which under UN law, all people have the right to self-determination. Yet it's completely rejected and neglected to the Palestinians time and time again. Um, this is like the bloodiest sort of fighting since 2014, which is sort of actually the period when I sort of got politicised by this whole thing. But it's just so, the whole thing is just so angering. You know, this is the issue that really got me into sort of like foreign policy and anti-imperialism stuff in the, in the first place. And it's kind of depressing that seven years later, nothing's changed. Hasn't Israel been violating like UN laws for like Constantly. ever? <laughs> yeah, this is this is something that's obviously made big news, but I think yeah, it's it's been pretty much a continuous problem, hasn't it? In one way or another over the last well, at least seven years, yeah. Longer than that. But if we again this is another thing, we the way it's presented is sort of six of one half a dozen of the other. If we actually go back to how this started, which DJ referenced last week. 
it, it, it more than anything illustrates why we're even in this position. Because effectively, it all started with Israel's planned evictions in a, a town called uh, Sheikh Jarrah. It may actually be a village where they were evicting Palestinians to make way for Israeli settlers. Now, Palestinians were protesting that. And that's effectively where this all started. So this all started from further illustration of Israeli expansionism and Israeli imperialism in the Middle East. Israel constantly trying to widen its borders, take over Palestinian land. And that is the whole story of this whole stuff, of this whole thing. And you cannot even talk, you cannot even, I don't think, reference this whole this whole thing that's happening right now in Gaza without understanding that process, understanding that thing, because it completely goes to the, the very crux of it all. You know, Israel's constant pursuit of more territory and, and sort of and, and imperialism. I saw a map of like basically pre like, like like 1940s, you know, like Palestine, then kind of post-war like UN planned mm. allocation of it to Israel. And then following that, you know, the the Israeli expansion beyond those um, allocated borders. And yeah, there's there's essentially nothing left really of Palestine. Like it is basically just the Gaza Strip and a few territories in like the east. But yeah. it's all it's all getting yeah, it's it's, it's all basically getting eradicated. To the map of Native American reservations and the continental united states it's exactly the same story (laughs) because it is in both instances it is imperialism and that is that is the true enemy here it's not about race it's not about religion it's about imperialism Mm -hmm. and my simple message to all of our listeners is if you were anti-imperialist if you think imperialism is wrong then you should be on the side of the palestinians and you should be expressing your solidarity for palestinians right now because this is a story of imperialism. It's nothing to do with race or religion. It's imperialism. Preach. And, and, and also like the Hamas thing. Hamas is recognized as a, as a terrorist uh, organization by the majority of Western governments. And clearly Hamas are not wonderful and I would be the first to sort of condemn them. And a lot of their techniques are, are things that I certainly wouldn't, certainly wouldn't uh, accept or agree with. That said, if you're in the position, you can if if you're in the position of Gaza, being strangled in the way it is, denied freedom and human rights, everything blockaded by Israel, you can see how extremist groups like Hamas, militant groups like Hamas, gain popularity. And it happens every time. I mean, that's what happens when you oppress. A group of people. Yeah. I think it's something very conveniently forgotten by the privileged in those situations because I don't think they really truly understand how much suffering. Um, and, and this is where, and just as human beings, we switch ourselves off to suffering in the world. We know it's out there, but we don't, we shut it out and we conveniently forget that it exists. But no one is brave enough to really explore the true consequences of that suffering really try and address those problems but the re- the reality is is that 
suffering drives people to utter desperation and destitution. And there are consequences of that that infects everyone. And that's been the story throughout history. The media and, and the sort of the, the political mainstream, centrist and, and right-wing people, want us to believe that politics and all these things are very black and white, good versus evil. And that this idea that almost terrorist groups or militant groups just sort of form by bad people and they somehow uh, brainwash people into believing them. Whereas they're completely skipping steps. Completely skipping the whole the good guy, bad guy Marvel exactly. superhero movie. Exactly, but but they're also skipping the fact that the fact that people join these groups or become radicalized because they feel so disaffected, because they feel like they have no power to change the world they see, and often they have very good intentions that they want to to change, you know, change the thing. If, for example, if you take the um, took Irish Republicans, a lot of them were very angry with British imperialism and wanted to take a stand against that. And because they feel very disaffected, they don't feel that that they are represented. They then become radicalized, and yes, they then they then do things that are that are completely wrong. But you can see how they, you can see how someone gets to that point. You see this on a smaller scale as well. That um, it's just like the effect of gaslighting of oppressed people as well. You know, it's like so their anger and frustration. The way they react to their situation is always going to um, be seen as like evil and like that people are always going to put like a negative spin on it because when the roles are reversed, it is negative. I think this is um, this is going to sound extremely cynical, but I think that it's always easier to convince people to do, to take the easy option, which is to be ignorant, to believe that people make bad choices because of their own fault and because they've not done something that you've done to deserve what you have. But in reality, it's like just because something is alien or, or, or scary to you doesn't mean that you should immediately just judge, you know, like, and like it's, it's, I, I think sometimes, you know, you have to force yourself to try and see things differently, try and see things from other people's point of view, because People are often so quick to say, oh, I understand or oh, I sympathize. But yeah, I, I really don't think it's that simple. I, I sometimes think, you know, if, if there are big, big differences in, in your upbringing and your experience and like, oh, on this planet. I understand, but can you not be mad about it? <laughs> yeah. And it's things like that. It's just like that's a, such a tiny thing as well. Like, I feel like people being angry is just that's just part of life. Like people are angry, like for fuck's sake, like people are angry about things but like yeah like some people really have things to be angry about because they have like they have, they have no way of like um escaping a situation you know like it's human nature the world the world is a scary place and people naturally find gray areas scary and they then gravitate to, to a sort of black and white world with easy answers they want an easy answer and you see this throughout political history, that a lot of people, when presented with a problem, when they're then presented with an easy answer, will then gravitate towards that easy answer because it's less scary than the unknown of a complicated answer. That's, that's, that's why, for example, often the far right, the far right will gain success, particularly in times of economic hardship, when the question of why, why are you poor 
can be given the simple answer of, well, it's because of immigrants, even though that's completely wrong, but people gravitate to it because it's a simple, easy answer. It's also just because, not just that example, but in general, because people don't want to take accountability. And it's hilarious because like um, marginalized groups are like always being like um, told that like everything is our fault, you know? When like in reality, everything is white people's fault. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not talking about every individual. I just mean, I'm just using that as a descriptor, but um, Sorry, I forgot where I was going with that. There is a huge example of that right here, right now. Okay, so the take up for the vaccine in this country is far lower um, amongst ethnic minorities. Okay, and so you're getting a situation now, particularly when there's outbreaks across the country, people going, oh, well, it's because of Asian people not taking the vaccine, for example. That's what the people were saying, right? Oh, how dare they be selfish? When all the, all the sort of, statistics and uh, and things coming out are saying that actually a lot of ethnic minorities are reticent about getting the vaccine because of a legacy of of the NHS being institutionally racist of, of maltreatment of all these sorts of things and so they're saying that that actually these communities are not trusting of the state because of this legacy of of racism and maltreatment and and so actually the blame isn't oh isn't it's not simple as saying oh well these people are being selfish not having the vaccine it's why are they not having the vaccine you know and you're seeing this constantly at the moment people I'm seeing on social media people blaming people uh, people of ethnic minorities for getting the virus because they didn't have a vaccine. You know what I just think is so fucking funny. <laughs> it's like you know. Take so like the situation with um, Palestine, like recognizing Israel as being imperialist colonizers means that everyone else, like if the U.S. and like the U.K. were to recognize that, then those governments also have to recognize their own yeah. <laughs> colonization and imperialism, that's, that's, that's and that's on a do. large scale. That's yeah. on a large scale, but also on like a small scale, like I like these like right wing racist white people like will have so many problems in their lives that are completely self-inflicted and can actually they could easily make their situation better because they're white. Like they can just get another job, you know, simple answers like that because they don't have like the other obstacles that marginalized groups do. But they're the ones telling everyone that everything's their fault. And it's like you, they haven't even cleaned up their own mess. <laughs> but the, the example about what you said about, um, about if they were to recognize Israeli imperialism, they'd have to recognize their own imperialism. It also comes to a wider point is that strategically, Israel has always been very important strategically to US and UK imperialism because it's, their way of controlling the Middle East or keep yeah. having having one foot in the Middle East effectively. Mm-hmm. So again, that's you know, that's another reason why they they would never seemingly would never recognize Israeli imperialism without recognizing their own imperialism. It's intrinsic. Yeah. But yeah. Fuck imperialism. Here we go. We've summed up this entire podcast in two words. 
I think that's basically what we were all getting to there, wasn't it? I think at some point I'd like to have a guest on who knows far more about the history of, of Palestine than us that can talk about it. But I feel, I feel yeah. like this is quite a good sort of introductory sort of conversation about it and also just talking about the current situation. But, I think um, we're segueing into the, the bigger discussion, aren't we? So we can get exactly. some, more, some more peeps exactly. on. Yeah. No, it's a big one. Like, it's a big one. I feel like I feel like everyone everyone probably knows about it. Every probably everyone probably has opinions on it and stuff. And it's like it's just huge. Yeah, um, so I think and I think a lot of people are quite scared by it as a as a thing because it's big and because they know there's a lot of sort of context and a lot of history. They're scared of it, so they just sort of shy away from it. And I think really and truly, people shouldn't. And and without trying to be nasty, like sort of grow a pair and face it, you know. And uh, as I said, if you're anti-imperialism, you can't shy away from it. Um, if you're anti-racist, you can't shy away from it. All these things. Um, but yeah, anything else we need to talk about before we move on to some funky news? Funny news. So I picked this one out because, DJ, a couple of weeks ago, when we had those goat stories, you were very happy and excitable about the goat. and this one isn't goats but it's similar okay seven bullocks notice the word bullocks not bollocks take over east yorkshire town after escaping from field the young lawn bandits were seen munching on people's gardens one tried out someone's trampoline let's read this (laughs) so a group of wandering bullocks have taken over a town in east yorkshire after escaping a field BBC journalist David Harrison photographed the cows tearing up the town. Ending the town red. Yeah, at least seven cows managed to get themselves very lost and are now tearing lawns apart. They eventually they were eventually uh, round up. This is the cow the cow equivalent of going to the bar and returning to the dance floor with your mates, nowhere to be seen. Because one cow lost all the others. Um, do you reckon do you reckon they um do you reckon they, they caught wind that Cravendale was in town and they, they knew it was so good that they wanted it back? Exactly. The chairman of the Beverly Pasture Masters, that sounds amazing, Alan English said, until the bullocks settle down, they tend to ramble about. They're like little kids. That's kind of weird. Yeah, and one got on the trampoline, apparently. DJ, how would you react if you looked out of your window and saw a cow on a trampoline? I'd be like... Whoa! <laughs> but do you, like, <laughs> do you think it was like? What like, did I smoke last night? Do you think it's like jumping and like doing like little like little poses in the air, like like with its tail flopping around everywhere, making moves, moves. But, but is a trampoline strong enough for a cow? Well, clearly. Clearly, this one was. That's one strong trampoline. Just appeared, isn't it? I wouldn't imagine it was a mini trampoline. Wouldn't even fit on it. <laughs> just imagine a cow on a trampoline, though. Just a king size. Do you reckon it had the is guards? The cow, is the cow actually like jumping, like bending and then jumping, or is it uh, like? I didn't see a video. Around? I didn't see a video. I would imagine that it was just walking around. I don't think a cow would go on a trampoline. Go, Tell you what? Let's jump. I've seen kids do this. But I don't think a cow would have that sort of. Thought process. We could do. Uh, listeners, if you've got video footage of a cow on a trampoline. I mean, they're intelligent. Um, I just don't know if they have the, if their body can actually physically. They all, they also have four stomachs. 
Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? I only that's, have that's... two. I wish yeah, I had four. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I... They only eat one fucking thing. They don't need four stomachs, do they? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe that's what you need to get the nutritional goodness out of grass. Because mm. then you could have a dessert stomach. Yeah, just like if you eat a pudding, like it just, it just, there's a little lever and it just goes, oh, pudding, and it goes that way. I just Whereas say if that, you've got like grasses, grasses over there. You've got another, four another stomachs entry into for a four-course meal. Four-course meal, one for each starter, main, appetito, and dessert. Appetito. <laughs> appetito. Yeah, that, I'm afraid DJ, In that order. It's a DJ 2021. Then you can have a dessert stomach. Right, next story. Jack Hiller's Castle offers visitors COVID jab and a free visit to torture exhibition. Bran Castle is known as the inspiration for, Van- for Dracula's home in the novel Dracula. But visitors during the COVID-19 pandemic are more likely to leave with their puncture marks in their arms. <laughs> it's seen a drop-off in visitors this year, so instead it's become a vaccination centre. Medical workers with bloody fang stickers on their scrubs are offering free shots of the Pfizer vaccine every Friday, Saturday and Sunday. No appointment is needed and vaccine recipients also get free entry to the castle's exhibit of medieval torture tools. Plot twist. It's like actually for a real vampire who's taking their blood. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there were real vampires there just trying to get a cheeky fix. They'll also get what the castle's website describes as a vaccination diploma. What's that? You've got a diploma in being vaccinated. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, you get a qualification now. <laughs> I, I'm a professional uh, vaccinate, vaccinated person. Alexandru Priscu, marketing director of the castle, said the idea was to show how people got jabbed 600 years ago. Fernando Orozco, a 39-year-old renewable energy market developer, got his jab on Saturday. I was already planning to come to the castle. I just thought it was two-for-one special. I think that's pretty cool. Like, I mean, I, I think that's genius. Imagine if they, imagine if they did that at Fort Park. Like, oh, incredible. mate. Like, but to be honest, like to, to go and not even have to book an appointment is fantastic. You know, like, where is this bloody place? Romania. Oh, sorry. I thought it was like Warwick Castle or something. Maybe no, they'll do is, a Warwick this Castle. This is actually Dracula's Castle, Bertie. This is a real, the real deal. In Transylvania, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I actually shat myself thinking about going there, interrailing. So, yeah. I, oh, yeah, we were gonna I feel like it's a way to lure you in. Do you know? It feels wrong. Yeah. It feels wrong. DJ, would you ever go to Transylvania? Yeah, why not? Because you might get eaten by vampires. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, now I imagine like DJ is like Van Helsing. And it's like, it sounds like a, a cool Tarantino movie, to be honest. I reckon you're a vampire. No, I think DJ's. I think DJ's a vampire slayer. You think I'm a vampire? No, she's a vampire. Have you seen the Nicolas Cage film? The vampire one. The vampire one, yeah. Like no one really knows what it's called. It's just shit. What's it called again? Do you know the Nicolas Cage theory? Where you you can tell how good one of his movies is by how long his hair is. So the longer (laughs) his hair, the worse the movie is. (laughs) I like that. I'm now probably going to watch every Nicolas Cage movie yeah. just to try and find out whether that theory is legit. It's Vampire's Kiss. That's it, Vampire's Kiss. Is it worth watching? I've not seen it. Um, I would just watch the highlights. 
<laughs> it's like watching it's like watching a sort of a Newcastle West Brom match. Oh, yeah. No disrespect there to any Newcastle or West Brom facts fans, but you know, you know what it is. Nil Fair like enough. a nil-nil, a very dry nil-nil. Fair enough. Okay. Are we ready for our last story of the day? Give it to a me. A four-year-old boy bought 918 SpongeBob SquarePants ice lollies for $2,600 on Amazon. Jesus Christ. Okay. Right. Noah, a four-year-old boy from New York, loves SpongeBob a lot. In fact, he loves the cartoon character so much that he decided to go on Amazon and do some shopping. Little did his mother know that he had bought 51 cases of SpongeBob ice lollies, 918 of them to be exact, racking up a bill of over two and a half grand. The bold so kids order, just have access to their parents' Amazon now? <laughs> apparently. And I reckon was, she just left it on, didn't she, on the computer? Rookie error. Yeah. It was delivered to his, his auntie's house, and Amazon initially <laughs> told Noah's mother that they wouldn't take the ice lollies back, leaving her stuck with the two and a half grand bill. Now, to be fair, that's a smart move from Amazon. I mean, I mean, if you were if you were working for Amazon, you'd be like, right, you you'd be rubbing your hands. Um, that's that's her, Bertie. They've since agreed to to give her the money back. But hold on, they they deli- I'm just trying to think about the logistics of this. They're delivering 918 lollies, right? Yeah, ice lollies. I mean, that's gonna that's like fucking Jesus Christ. You want to know where the fucking icebergs are going? Now we know. How That's a freezers, lot of ice. How, how many freezers would you need for that? I just think you'd have to... What you'd probably end up doing is you'd have one or two, get a bit of brain freeze, and then you'd let all the rest melt. You'd open mm. them all up, and you'd put them in a massive vat, and then you'd just have some sort of weird juice that's like you just sort of sitting around and then maybe i don't know put it in the fridge if, if you have room in the fridge or just keep it in a cool dry location i have no idea i would find it so suspicious if i went to someone's house and they just had this weird <laughs> juice yeah. right with that what would be weird of that dj or going to someone's house and they'd be like oh yeah we've got six freezers to store all of my son's spongebob isolates um <laughs> You probably need more than six. Well, actually, I don't know, actually. How many, that's a good question. How many freezers would you need to store 918 ice lollies? SpongeBob SquarePants ice lollies. I bet <laughs> they're wider than the average lolly. Are, are they from New York, New York? I don't know. No, they're from a unique New York. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so someone set up a fundraiser to help Noah's mum. And that fundraiser's now... Well, my mum. No, not your mum. But no, this Noah's mum. And they've raised more than $14,000. And they're saying that because Noah's quite autistic. So the family have agreed that they're going to put all his fun, put all the funds to go towards his education. So it's a nice ending. So um, I guess they can put all the money into teaching him that if you want to get far in life, it's probably not a good idea to spend two and a half grand on fucking ice lollies. Noah, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Oh, he's a, I told you it's quite it's quite a big lolly. Look at his little fucking smile. He knows. He knows. Oh man, like, he, is, come out he is a little terror. You can just see it in his What's eyes. What's he doing? It's all part of the plan, wasn't it? 
God's plan. Yeah, I reckon. Well, with this fourteen thousand dollars, I can get seven more boxes. I can get seven more of of this. Get seven thousands. I I just feel like I almost feel like maybe there was like some other motive to this. Like maybe he was buying these ice lollies because he wanted to do something crazy, like create a sort of booby trap where someone fell into a pile of ice lollies. I know that's a really sinister thing to say, but. As soon as you started no, I reading think, this, I, I, think I felt like it was like true, Home Alone. It sounded yeah. like a Home Alone thing where, like, he, yeah, you know, does crazy crap. Like, we have no evidence traps. for it, Bertie, but I think that is fact. I think that's definitely fact. You yeah. See it in his eyes, he definitely wanted to do something like that. That is our last funny story, and thus we shall bring this podcast to. I end. wish I had that many rice crackers. Wow, you've run out of rice crackers. Never thought I'd see the day. No, I'm not out. No. Uh, well, go. go on Amazon, DJ. Huh? Order two and a half go thousand pounds worth more. <laughs> yeah. At least you won't have to put them in a fucking freezer the size of your house. <laughs> True. True. So have we got any final messages to our listeners? Yeah. I mean, I guess if you hear about, if you hear if anyone's going to go and spend two and a half thousand pounds on my lollies, maybe you should buy shares on Amazon because... I'm sure that'll probably increase the price a little bit. Uh, yeah. I think you should um, buy shares in Amazon wherever. If you've got money to buy shares in Amazon, just buy shares in Amazon. Yeah, yeah I think that's probably going one way. Fiscal advice. Yeah. 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 Once you own that much, the world probably isn't going the other so way, is it? Buy shares in Amazon and then bring it down from the inside. That's what I say. Yeah. Radicalize the moderates. Let it all rise up. Exactly. DJ, do you have any final messages for our listeners? Um, I'm not paid enough to give you a final message. <laughs> wow, I, I, that is the most jobs worth comment I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Better increase my pay packet. Oh, this is this is where we you know we're gonna like have to I'm start. The, I feel like I'm back at the job center. We're gonna to have to start putting adverts on these podcasts. Next thing, next thing you know, I'll be like advertising some like weird hair dye or I don't know shaver, so that we can start paying DJ a little bit more than what she's currently set up, receiving. Set up a Patreon for her. Yeah, it will set up a Patreon. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks guys for signing up to our Patreon. I oh, will also have an OnlyFans as well because I feel like that gets a lot of cash. Yeah. So I've heard. But DJ will just pimp us out on the OnlyFans. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be like two sort of. Well, I, I, no, I, I, I my bitches. Yeah, I, I just think let's just not talk too much about this because this is we've got we've got young listeners. I'm sure. I'm sure we have young mm-hmm. listeners because we're very educational, right? So I can. I'll be the boss bitch. The boss ass bitch. <laughs> and I can just be the the ham. I'm Brittany, bitch. Right, Free everybody. Britney. Free Britney, free Palestine, fuck imperialism. Leave Britney alone. That is the end of our podcast. Stay dangerous, everybody. Stay safe. Mm